Now, I will apologise for the quality of sound for this week's episode, but it is absolutely bucketing with rain outside, so it's just uh, you and I inside the caravan at the moment trying to make the best of the bad situation, so please bear with us. Um, we are sort of, um, inverted commas, live on the road less travelled this week. So let's get into it. G'day everyone, welcome to this week's edition of The Road Less Travelled. My name is Nikki Shea and for the next little while we'll be having a look back at some of the exciting things that have happened in our history and locations as well. That's part of what we do on The Road Less Travelled. Hey, thanks so much for the support and feedback that I've got from so many people who have emailed us and SMSed the show to say, hey, that we're doing a good job and some other little constructive criticism. Really appreciate it, so thank you very much for doing that. And if you aren't already listening, you should be. Please do a review, like and share of us. Uh, you can do that via the wherever you listen to the podcast, through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio and Google Podcasts. We really appreciate the feedback. It helps us get the name out there and really get some exposure to The Road Less Travelled. Made in Australia for made, made in Australia for Australian stories. That's what we're all about. So uh, please, thank you. Please, please, thank you. Please uh, continue to support the show and thank you to those who have done so already. Really appreciate it. You can interact by dropping us an email, fatcat at iinet.net.au. That's fatcat with a P-H. Or you can SMS 042-752-8467. And always really like to get uh, your feedback and impressions of the show. And also some people have dropped through some ideas for upcoming episodes. So really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Part two is coming up this week and after the phenomenal success and feedback from part one of the show last week, we thought we'd continue on regarding the Catalina flying boats and it's really great to get, as I said, I can't rave enough about the feedback that we get on the show. Uh, it helps us to develop the show even further, so thank you very much for those who have given us the feedback. And speaking of feedback, a lot of people have um, uh, contacted the show, I was going to say written, have contacted the show, does anyone ever write into shows anymore, um, to say that they'd love to hear more recipes regarding what we cook when we're on the road less travel and just interesting recipes that we've picked up along the way. So I thought this week we'd do the one pot Italian beef and nocci casserole. It's dead easy to make uh, using the camp oven or if you've got a little stove you can do it directly over the stove or over the open fire. It's made with a rich tomato-based sauce and this one-pot beef and gnocchi casserole is the perfect winter main meal. You can even make it at home. It's a uh, There's only about 13 ingredients that you need. Uh, it's a three-method step, so it's dead easy. The ingredients you will need are two tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil, uh, 800 grams of gravy beef or, or beef diced into about four-centimeter pieces, a large brown onion chopped up, uh, one large carrot chopped, two celery sticks chopped up, three garlic cloves, and they are crushed, uh, two sprigs of fresh rosemary plus extra small sprigs to serve, a cup of dry red wine, 700 grams bottle of uh, tomato passata, two beef stock cubes all crumbled up, one cup of water, one zucchini chopped, 500 gram packet of gnocchi and you just get all those ingredients and you are ready to go. Step one is heat half the oil in a large saucepan over a medium high heat. You cook the beef in two batches for five minutes or until they're browned all over and then put them into a heat-proof bowl. You then heat the remaining oil in the same pan over medium heat. Again, you can do this in the camp oven. You can do it on the fry pan on the stove. We can even do it in the slow cooker too. You add the onion, carrot and celery. You cook, stirring for five minutes or until the vegetables are starting to brown. That's when you add the garlic, rosemary and bay leaves if you want to add some extra flavour. 
You cook for a minute or until you can smell the fragrance coming through. Add the wine, then cook for two minutes or until it's reduced by half. You add the passata, the stock cubes and the water and then bring it to a simmer. Then get the beef that you've put aside, put that back in the pan, reduce the heat down to low. You cook it, you cover it for an hour and a half or until the beef is just tender. You then add the zucchini, bearing in mind if you add the zucchini too early it will go sloppy and disgusting. You cook, cover it for five minutes or until the zucchini is almost tender. That's when you add the gnocchi, you cook that, again cover it for five minutes or until that gnocchi is tender. And it's easy done, served topped with extra rosemary. It's dead easy to make and it is really good on a nice cold winter's evening. It'll serve four people, about 15 minutes to prep and probably about one and a half to two hours cooking time. So it's something you can just, as I said, you can use it in the slow cooker as well if you're at home or whack it straight all into the um, camp oven or cook it on the stove in a fry pan. Dead easy to make. That is the one pot Italian beef and gnocchi casserole. Bon appetit, it is delicious. Now into this week's part two episode and Matilda Bay is located on the shores of Perth's Swan River and looking ahead across the water you'll have fantastic views of the city skyline of Perth and a smattering of very very expensive yachts. If you look behind you you can see the beautiful sandstone buildings and the velvet soft sporting fields of the University of WA. It's a very special place and that's because during the Second World War, the US Navy had a fleet of flying boats based right at Matilda Bay. By May 1942, all American troops in the Philippines surrendered to the invading Japanese army who had continued their advance southwards to attack Malaya, the Dutch East Indies and Java, driving US and Allied forces before them. So what this meant was the loss of bases for ships and aircrafts who were forced to flee. And among them were a number of consolidated PBY Catalinas from the US Navy's patrol wing number 10. They actually escaped from the bases in the Philippines and ended up in Darwin and Broome. And for them it was out of the frying pan and certainly into the fire as they were then caught up in the Japanese attacks there and the survivors were then posted to Perth which then was a safe haven being out of range of Japanese land-based aircraft. They brought with them the consolidated PBY Catalina and it was one of the most widely used seaplanes of World War II. PB stood for patrol boat and Y was the code assigned to the manufacturer which was consolidated aircraft. Patrol Wing 10 operated from Crawley Bay on the Swan River from March 1942 to mid-1944. Their depleted ranks were soon replenished and the unit grew to approximately 60 to 70 of the Catalina flying boats and they were followed by approximately 1,200 American support personnel. It was an incredibly versatile aircraft and could be equipped with depth charges, bombs, torpedoes and 50 calibre machine guns. The Catalinas undertook reconnaissance, anti-submarine patrols, convoy escort, search and rescue and occasionally bombing missions across the expanses of the Indian Ocean. Now UWA supported these operations and the officers quarters were built on the site where the University Hall is now situated. The photo lab, which was responsible for all photo work from aerial reconnaissance, took up a large part of the engineering building, which is now the Guild Tavern and Riley Oval, just next to Hackett Drive. That was used as a parade ground for the troops. The university was helpful in other ways. UWA landmarks Hackett and Winthrop Halls have prominent red terracotta roofs, which are highly visible from the air, and they apparently acted as markers to help guide the Catalina pilots back to base. 
British, Dutch and Australian flying boats also operated out of Crawley. And perhaps most famously, RAAF pilots seconded to Qantas re-established the Australia-England air link that had been cut due to the fall of Singapore back in 1942. This involved flights between Crawley and RAF-based Kogla in southern Ceylon, which is now Sri Lanka. The flights were the longest non-stop air route of any airline, stretching approximately 6,000 kilometres across the Indian Ocean. It took between 27 and 33 hours, with departure time so that the planes crossed enemy territory during the darkness to avoid any air attack. And radio silence had to be maintained to avoid detection, and the weight of fuel required limited the Catalina's load to only three passengers and only 69 kilograms of mail. It was called the double sunrise because the crews would see the sunrise twice. Now, Matilda Bay is a beautiful place to visit by itself, but if you want to see a consolidated PBY Catalina up close and personal, there are two options. You can visit the Aviation Heritage Museum, which is located at Bull Creek in Perth, where there's one on display, and it's definitely worth a visit. At the urging of the Australian-American Catalina Memorial Foundation, the museum's Catalina was acquired in 2002 using a WA government grant. After years of searching, the Australian-American Catalina Memorial Foundation located a seriously neglected Catalina in Texas, USA. The old cat was on the side of a road. It was being used to promote a local restaurant. Two retired US servicemen painstakingly restored the aircraft and packed it in pieces into shipping containers ready for its final ocean crossing from Texas to Perth. The intent was for it to feature in a display commemorating that double sunrise flight from Swan River at Crawley to Sri Lanka during World War II. Now, when attempts to obtain funding for the display failed, in January 2007 it was moved in parts to the museum and reassembled where it now stands. The museum's Catalina was built to contract NOAA 464 at Consolidated Aircraft Factory in New Orleans in Louisiana, and it was taken on charge by the United States Navy as BU-46624 on the 23rd of November 1944. It was then based at Elizabeth City between November 44 and January 45, and at Terminal Island from February 45 to April 1945. After its Navy service, it was placed in storage at Litchfield Park in Arizona on the 15th of January 53, being struck off the charge list in January 56. At that time, it had a total of 1,407 hours on its airframe. Other information points to a mixed record since then, including a period with the Military Aircraft Reconnaissance Corporation in Chino, California in 1979 and being displayed at the 94 Aero Squadron restaurant in Clearwater, Florida in 1981. What I might do is put up a couple of photos. Um, I've sourced them off uh, Google and Pinterest, 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 let's put a sentence together, and you can see some photographs when you go to the Bull Creek um, Air Force Museum. You can see actual photographs of the Catalina flying boats moored at uh, Matilda Bay in Perth during the war. It's just a, a lovely sight and sort of cast your, use that mind's eye and uh, it's just a wonderful sight to, to behold. And I guess we should sort of touch on what happened with part one of this series, this is part two, when we actually got involved with having a look at the Catalina flying boats, and that was because just south of Swan Hill in Victoria, the Lake Boga Flying Boat Museum, which, of course, home of the historic Catalina flying boat and site of the secret RWF repair depot, 
Lake Boga in Victoria was an integral part of the Allied defence during World War II with a facility that helped to keep Australia safe, the number one flying boat repair and service depot. Jump back to episode one of this one last week and have a look. On the, not have a look, but have a listen. On the original site of the number one flying boat repair depot stands an underground communications bunker that has been transformed into the Flying Boat Museum. It's all fully air conditioned now and an educational trip into our recent history. Also at the museum is an interactive map of the Pacific region and an informative 20-minute film in the theorette. The Australian government had known the existence of Lake Boga as a potential site for flying boat activity as early as 1938, but it wasn't until the Japanese attacks on Broome in 1942 and on the west coast of WA, which resulted in the loss of 16 flying boats, that the establishment of a safe haven for flying boats and amphibians was deemed as essential to the defence of Australia. South and inland were obviously per prerequisites. The Lake Boga potential was revisited, inspections of Lake Boga and Kangaroo Lake were made, and Lake Boga was the preferred site. It's an ideal stretch of water too for the flying boats and the amphibious aircraft, as it was almost circular, offering unlimited choice of landing, takeoff direction, and free from any obstructions. The required infrastructure was already in place, vacant land around, around its foreshore and adjacent railhead and highway plus electricity from the Swan Hill Power Station and lines of communication. The, re the repair depot itself with workshop and hangars which, are, which were located on the foreshore, the stores area on railway land near the depot, living quarters which were west of the township, sick quarters which were at Castle Donington, there was also first aid and dental post on the foreshore and a radio transmitting station on the depot site and a VHF transmitting station west of the township. June 28, 1942 saw the arrival of the first RAAF personnel under the command of Flight Lieutenant G.S. Moffat and on the 12th of July 42, the first Candelina flying boat arrived when a quantity of stores and equipment was flown in from Rathmines in New South Wales. Compared to the Walrus that had alighted four months earlier on an inspection visit, the Catalina seemed enormous with its graceful hull and huge wingspan topped by two powerful Pratt and Whitney 1200 horsepower 14 cylinder radial engines. At that time, hangar construction at Lake Boga had just begun. The design of an open fronted grandstand type hangar with a counter lever canopy. There was eight large steel frame structures which were erected, 120 feet wide by 58 deep. These were to be followed by structures to house activities such as admin, signals, cipher, airframe repair, electroplating, engine hydraulics repair, drafting, metalwork, uh, also photography stores, armament repair, propeller testing, machine crew rooms, control tower, etc. Now the very first Catalina to be serviced at Lake Boga was an A2417 which carried a crew of four plus 12 personnel on posting from Rathmines in New South Wales, arriving August 1942. Squadrons 11 and 20 had flown this aircraft relentlessly against the Japanese since January of that year. Now, during the depot's wartime, life personnel undertook huge volumes of work. 416 aircraft were serviced, repaired, restored, rebuilt or overhauled. And these aircrafts included the Catalina, Dornier, Sikorsky, Kingfisher, Sunderland Walrus and Martin Mariner. And in over five years of this depot's life, with more than uh, 1,050 aircraft arrivals and departures and an estimated 800 test flights, plus associated unofficial aerobatics, no aircraft were met with major mishap, which is quite remarkable. In addition to the RAAF aircraft, many Allied flying boats used the Lake Boga depot for repairs, including those of the United States of America, the Netherlands as well. 
and at its peak operation there was 39 officers, 802 airmen and 102 WAFs staffed at the depot. The base at Lake Boga, just south of Swan Hill, closed in November of 1947. So if you do have the chance, we've gone from one extreme to the next, from the east to the east coast to west coast, have a look at uh, Lake Boga, just south of Swan Hill, and go and have a look. There's not much, there's nothing there uh, to let you know what's happened at um, Matilda Bay, uh, apart from going down to Bull Creek, you'll see a Catalina flying boat, but you can uh, have a look at, um, as I said earlier, the photos that were... Um, of Crawley Bay and Matilda Bay where the Catalina flying boats were um, based during World War II and of course you've head down to Fremantle as well um, and the Army Museum at Fremantle you get a good sense of, of how it was all um, set up during World War II. Fremantle of course being a major submarine base during World War II as you can see I'm very very passionate about World War II history uh, it's just something that really fascinate, fascinates me. Now you would have seen on our fake book, Facebook, many people do have Facebook, on our Facebook page under Fat Cat Media, again, P-H-A-T-C-A-T, -A -T, Fat Cat Media, we put up a recent post about, um, what, I don't know about you, I kind of, let me deviate for a moment, I like getting good gadgets on for when you're on the road less travelled and something that makes life a little bit easier. The brand new Companion Aquaheat Lithium Gas Shower is the shower to have. I don't know about you, but I love to have hot shower and hot water. Now, instead of being run off 12 volt or even solar, this shower runs off highly advanced lithium battery and gas. It's, um, instead of needing, as I said, the 12 volt power source or sunshine to heat the water, it operates off an in... in blah, 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 blah my sensors back in, in integrated I'm excited rechargeable lithium battery and gas to heat the water being circulated through the unit via the included brushless pump that comes with it which provides 60 to 120 minutes of runtime off a single charge which gives you plenty of charge to be away for an extended holiday this shower is perfect for those who go off the beaten track as well as those if you don't because as well you don't need any leads it provides up to 30 degrees Celsius of temperature lift. This unit has also the ability to increase the incoming temperature of the water by 30 degrees to a maximum of 50 degrees Celsius. Water output is at a rate of 2 litres per minute, so you always feel fresh after a bike ride, a day hiking, or just sitting by the campfire, or if you want to do your dishes. The Companion Aqua Heat Lithium Gas Shower can be recharged in about 4 to 5 hours from flat which allows you to recharge quickly and continue your holiday or your trip. The shower can also be charged when in use via a DC lead or AC adapter, which are sold separately. It comes with a carry bag for the hot water system. That's not included, that's sold separately as well. It's the shower to buy if you want high temperatures of water at a great flow rate and have a very generous shower time as well. So you can just get, it comes with all these attachments, you just whack the pump end into the, like if you've got a stream or a bucket of water, your jerry can and off you go. It's got an integrated rechargeable lithium battery. The battery can charge when the shower is in use via a DC, or a, DC lead or the AC adapter. Uh, it can operate directly from DC power source via a supplied lead if the battery is flat. It's got digital display control panel. It's got auto ignition, one touch shower head control, quick connecting, uh, fit, quick connect fittings, building gas regulator with bomb connection. It can run off a cartridge directly or a gas cylinder via a hose, again sold separately. It's got a unique little slimline design, brushless pump, uh, but it can't be connected to mains water. So it's an awesome little bit of kit. I like it. It's about six and a half kilos it is. The gas type is um, uh, LPG propane. 
Um, the battery runtime on full charge about 40 to 60 minutes. So, um, and as I said, that flow rate of about two liters per minute is absolutely awesome. 30 degrees up to 50 degrees, so you're not going to you're not going to get um, a cold shower. Nice and hot, and you can use and use it to do the dishes as well. It is a terrific bit of, bit of kit. We thoroughly recommend it. Got recommended to us. Check it out. It's the Companion Aqua Heat Rechargeable Lithium Gas Hot Water Shower System, and it's available from all kinds of places, BCF, you name it, um, just check it out, do a Google search, and they're very reasonably priced as well. And again, get in contact with us. If you've got a gadget or something that's made life so much easier for you when you're out camping, and you, if you're in your tent, your caravan, or even in your boat as well, let us know, because I love gadgets, and I said we just love things that makes life so much easier when you're out camping, just to make it enjoyable. Um, we love hearing about uh, tales. So if you've got a gadget or you want a review of something, Give us a shout out on fatcat at ionet.net.au or drop me a SMS on 042 752 And I can tell you the Fat Cat Media website will be up and running in the not too distant future as well. So make sure you keep in contact with us. You can also give us um, a little bit of support too through our Patreon page as well. All the information will be in the show notes for this episode and of course upcoming episodes if you like what you're hearing, please give us a review on wherever you're listening to your podcast on the various podcast platforms. We would really appreciate it. A like and a share, and it'll help get the word out there and get as many people on board the road less travelled as possible. It's all about Australia, little trips, bit, just little bits of history and tales on the road. And that's it for this week's edition of the Road Less Travel. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Thanks so much for your company. And uh, if you're in amongst the um, COVID lockdowns that have been going on, keep your chin up. It will get better. And uh, we hope that you're, well, if you are out in the road camping as well and you've been sort of um, isolated because of you can't go because the borders have shut, then we're, uh, we're thinking of you, but make the most of the time that you do have. That's it for this week. We'll catch you next week on The Road Less Travelled. Bye for now.